You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7, Nico Horner Gets No Love. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W670 podcast. This week, MLB Pipeline released their top 100 prospects in baseball. And in this segment, Crowley talks to Brian Smith, prospect expert for Bleacher Nation, about where the Cubs' prospects are ranked. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am here with prospect expert brian smith of bleacher nation brian how you doing today i'm doing great thanks for having me back on anytime my friend always enjoy it now i gotta tell you it's been kind of exciting you know you know it's kind of like this like downtime really quick when kind of all the free agency is done you're waiting for spring training to start and all these lists start coming out and uh, one that everyone always kind of has an eye on is is baseball america does their top 100 prospects and uh you know, MLB Pipeline had their own too. So it, it's been kind of interesting. Um, so when we kind of take a look here and they they did the announcements, I think what MLB Network did theirs this week. Yep. You had three Cubs pop up there, which were very similar to Baseball America's rankings, the same three guys, just slightly different order. So when you looked here, um, coming in at number 92 was Brennan Davis. At number 87, uh, Kevin Alcantara. And number 28, Pete Crow Armstrong. Any surprises that there weren't more, or was that pretty much what you expected? That's pretty much, I guess, what I expected. My hope going into the offseason was that the you know big national outlets would give a little more respect to what Hayden Wesneski showed uh, in September. I think you know he checked the boxes for me that you would look for for a top 100 guy. But I kind of had the feeling, you know, in October. So just hearing the way that he was talked about that he would be just on the outside looking in. I think the biggest surprise, though, is probably that uh, on the list that you just talked about is that Kevin Alcantara jumped Brennan Davis for that was Pipeline's list, right? Yeah, yeah, that was MLB Pipeline's list, yeah. So that was a little surprising to me because to me, I would still probably have it be Pete then Brennan, then Kevin, and I would have the gap between Pete and Brennan closer than with Brennan and Kevin, but that doesn't seem to be how other places are seeing it. Yeah, it seems like he's really getting dinged for the um, fluke injury, you know, and everyone says back injury, not a back injury, nerve injury in the back. Right. So it, it it is shocking to me that he dropped as far as he did. Um, but when you talk about Kevin, what are some things that Cup fans can get excited about when you're thinking about Kevin Alcantara? Yeah, I mean, he's he's so fun. I think uh, what what jumped out to me, I mean, we, when you see him, he's six foot six. He's like lanky as can be. I'll, you know, I've said before, looks more like a small forward playing basketball than he does, you know, your typical outfielder. But uh, besides just being a phenomenal athlete, he was so advanced as a hitter last year in low A. I mean, being that young in a in a pitcher's ballpark in a tough league, he really held his own. He really excelled there. So think he's a smart hitter at the plate his instincts across the board just really blow me away I mean he has a great first step in the outfield he and he takes you know tough pitches on the outer half of the plate for for balls even with two strikes I mean he's he's just really like smart instinctual player yeah and, and you gotta wonder too like you said lanky uh but you wonder you know he's such a young kid is he is that body gonna fill in is he gonna be working out more right. and trying to work on, on strength you know, and, and th- that's the other thing, I guess I wonder is that you're looking here at the outfield. And when I was at CubsCon, I asked a question about, you know, you got a lot of, you got a glut of outfielders coming, which is not a bad problem to have, but at the same time, you know, 
Like, I wonder if any of these guys would, would you'd put as a DH or a first baseman in the future, you know what I mean? Maybe moving them over or something. I don't know. Yeah, totally. And I mean, the, I even more than it just being a glut of outfielders, it's also like a lot of right-handed outfielders. You know, I mean, there's there's Pete and Owen Casey that are left-handed, but pretty much all the other top outfield prospects the Cubs have are, are right-handed. So you don't want to get into a situation down the line where where you become too right-handed across the board as a team. But you know, again, you know, if these guys all make the major leagues, then that's a problem the Cubs will happily deal with. Yeah. Now, PCA. I think, you know, there there was no shock. Um, you know, yeah. Baseball America had him at 25 after the season and 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 MLB pipeline at 28. So, you know, you're you're talking about a guy here. But I think what really popped out to a lot of people was the his defensive rankings. Talk to people as far as the scouting terms, you know, the numbers that they use and where, where what Pete Crow did and why that's so unusual, I guess. Yeah, I think the the fun thing that happened this week was MLB Pipeline came out and said that, you know, not only I think did they rank him as the best defensive player in the minors, but that there was a a report that there was an 80 being placed on his glove. And 80 is the highest number on the scouting scale. The scouting scale goes from 20 to 80. 50 is your average. You know, when when a guy's a 70, we call him plus plus. So Pete's even above that. Pete's essentially what they're saying is, you know, one of the best outfielders alive. Um, And I think what that does for him as a prospect, what makes that exciting is if you're going to be like a plus 10 plus even 20 outfielder defensively, if you're going to save your team that many runs in a season, then your floor as a prospect is really high because, you know, even if you're a league average hitter, if you're saving the team 20 runs with your glove, you're probably a four win guy. Uh, and so that's what, that's what Pete can do. Pete can, Pete can take his big, like number one strength, ride that. And then if he adds value at the bat, I mean, that then, then we're talking all-star superstar type player. Now, when we talk about the three that made the list, let's talk about Brennan first here. I mean, he was expected to play this year in the major leagues in 2022 till that yeah. nerve injury kind of derailed that. So, you know, obviously Cody Bellinger is signed and Ian Happ is in his last year. And I, I just don't think he's getting re-signed by the Cubs. Say as in right, at what point in time do you think you would see a Brennan Davis up at Wrigley Field? Yeah, I think last year that probably changed the way they think about it, which is more like now, now you're going to have Brennan really bash down the door, I think, to get to the major leagues. I think last year they were really prepared to just sort of open things up and, you know, just sort of glide him in probably June or July or something. And then the way that everything played out, obviously it didn't go that route. And I think that that's probably the biggest change that's happened is that he's going to have to sort of prove his way back into the plans a little bit, which I think he absolutely will do. I expect him to have a good 2023 season, but it's not a, it's not a situation, especially when you look at this depth chart, there's not an obvious place for him to come in, I guess, unless Bellinger struggles like he did last year. And then if Brennan's succeeding, you could see that switch happen in the summer, I suppose. Right. Or, or if you think it maybe the Cubs are struggling and, and, and Cody Bellinger is doing good and you can flip him. That's, yeah. that's another possibility too. Um, so, I mean, no doubt Brennan Davis is starting in Iowa. That's, you know, that goes without saying. And so when we talk about PCA, PCA started last year in Myrtle Beach, worked his way up and played on that championship South Bend team. Would you fair to say that you see him starting in the Tennessee Smokies? Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty clear, easy path for them to do. I mean, yeah, I guess you could 
send him to South Bend, just hope that he crushes it like he did in Myrtle Beach last year just to get that head of steam going. But I don't think so. I think they I think they're excited about the idea of challenging him and seeing seeing what's what. He's also gonna get, you know, spring training with the major league team. So he's gonna be getting reps against pitchers with really good stuff. So that jump to double A I don't think will feel as strong as it will for some players that are, you know, just on the minor league backfields all March. Now, you know, people that I've talked to have said, yeah, you know, that that glove, even last year, he, that was a major league ready glove. He could play in a major league outfield, no oh, problem. Oh, absolutely. Now, the, the question is, is what do you see them really focusing on with PCA? Like, what, what what does he have to do to take the next level? And could you see him making that jump like Chris Morrell did from double A to the majors? I definitely think he could. I think what they're going to really focus on this year probably is the plate approach. Because I think that double A pitchers... Double A pitchers are really good. I think the the best stuff in the minor leagues generally is in double A. You know, I talked to Matt Mervis in the, the Arizona Fall League, and we were talking about because he saw all the levels of the minor leagues this year. He saw A ball, he saw double A, he saw triple A, and then he saw the Arizona Fall League. And he was talking about how you really feel that jump in double A because pitchers command their secondaries. It's not just a good slider that you can kind of recognize right away as headed for the dirt. It's actually one that looks like it's going for the strike zone. So what, as that relates to, to Pete, I think when there were certain times last year where Pete was just really looking, just like, I'm going to go first pitch fastball. I'm going to just go up to the plate looking for that and that only. And that was enough in low A. I mean, he was C fastball, hit fastball. In high A, I think he got exposed a little more, that he went through a stretch where he really didn't take any walks. I think it was late June. Um, The strikeouts were starting to tick up a little bit, and then he figured it out. So I'm curious if they're going to work with him to try to get just a little bit more of a plan to see more pitches, wait for his pitch, rather than go up there hacking. Now, Kevin Alcantara, do you see him starting in South Bend then? Yeah, I think that's that that's an easy assignment for me. He did the full year last year in low A, so you just send him to high A and see what's what. Now, how, how many trips are you going to take down to South Bend to see him? Because I, I know I this. Keep tell, I keep telling people it's a short trip, man, and I'm like, I, I had so much fun going last year just to seeing some of these guys and getting to know them. It's like get in there now and you you know just get a cheap ticket and it, it's a great experience. I mean, go see Kevin, man. It's going to be exciting. That Myrtle Beach team last year in the first half was was such a fun watch too. And the South Bend team that will start this year will be a lot of those same players. Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth a trip. I mean, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and and my eight-year-old absolutely loves, I think he prefers going to South Bend games to Cubs games in some ways. And so we'll definitely make an excuse to go a few times. Oh yeah. And then they got the little bouncy house for the kids and they, they can run around and just have, have a lot of fun. It's a blast. Now there were a couple people on these lists that were just on the periphery. You mentioned uh, Hayden Wesniski. Um, who else was really on the fringes of making, breaking through that top 100? Yeah, I think that the probably next two after Hayden would be, I think Matt Mervis is probably in that discussion. I, I think he made the baseball prospectus top 100, if I'm remembering right. And then I think the other one that that services are giving a lot of th- a lot of thought to is Cade Horton, the the Cubs' first round pick this year. I, you know, I think he's he's the like the real variable prospect in the system. Where I think some services, you know, have him as high as number three in the system, and others, you know, it might be more like eighth or ninth. So that's a fun one to see just where people sort of scout him at right now and where they put him on the scale and. Um, I'm, I can't wait to see what he does this year. I, I hope he's in South Bend. We'll definitely make a trip to see him. 
So that's where you kind of you kind of think maybe maybe South Bend would be the way that he would be at. The Cubs like to do their top like college pitcher. They like to have him skip low A and go and go right to high A. I'm actually wondering if maybe because he didn't pitch a ton in college, he lost a year to Tommy John. I wonder if he might start in Myrtle Beach and then get to South Bend in the summer. Uh, and the the Cubs also drafted a guy either the third or fourth round named Brandon Birdsell who pitched a lot in the college in college. So that would make sense for Brandon to go to South Bend right away and Cade to start in Myrtle beach. But I think that's one of those things that'll get decided in camp. Well, it, it's going to be a fun, th- uh, fun season. I think, I think, you know, the minor leagues continue to be the story. It's going to be interesting to see if the major league team kind of, you know, if they can perform like a lot of us are kind of looking back and, and, and kind of saying like, this is really interesting you know, maybe people will pay more attention again to the major league club, but I know you're always right. got one eye on the minors. Speaking of the majors, what are you thinking so far about the offseason? I had a chance to ask you as far as some of the moves that they made. Yeah, I it checked a lot of the boxes. I mean, I think I posted a list in October of who I wanted the Cubs to to grab, and Bellinger and Mancini were both on that list. So those were fits to me that were kind of no-brainers with the holes that the Cubs had. I think those are good, like, floor-raising things. I, I would put this Cubs team as like, you know, an 82, 84 win team that, you know, sometimes those like talent level teams win 88, 89 games just because, you know, a, a few bounces go their way. And sometimes those are 77 win teams. So it, what's what really jumps out to me about this team is how important those first two and a half months are going to be to sort of set the plan with what Jed's going to do, because, you know, the difference of this team being five games under on July 12th and being five games over is going to make a huge difference in what the Cubs decide to do at the deadline and how they start to think about even like the 2024 season. So it's like, I mean, we, we, we can't throw away those April games. Like those April games almost are more important than they usually are in a normal season this year. Right. And, and, you know, it just seems to be that, that when the Cubs have a good April and May, you know, obviously the summer months come, it gets yep. a lot easier. So it's like, you know, I, I, all 162 count the same. Right. And so you just look at those April and May and I just always, I'm like, please let the weather be halfway decent, let right. them get off to a good start. And then once you get to June, July, and August, then, you know, it seems like no matter what the team usually starts rolling. Absolutely. Well, Brian, where can the listeners follow you on Twitter and, and look up some of your work? Yeah, I'm at cub CUB prospects on Twitter and I write uh, for Bleacher Nation. I write mostly minor league side, but a little major league stuff over at Bleacher Nation. So, yeah, come come check it out. All right, man. And, and, and like I said, the prospects, it, it's still going to be an exciting season. So definitely don't take your eye off it. Brian, appreciate you coming on and we'll be looking forward to talking to you during the season. Always fun to hang. Take care.